Hi, I'm Laura Allen. And I'm Liv Austin. And between us, we are a songwriter, actor, singer, producer, and the hosts of My Amazing Mess, a podcast where we talk to creatives who are right in the middle of developing their own unique careers. They are totally honest with us about what it takes to pursue their dream job. The exciting highs, the disheartening lows, and the amazing mess that is everything in between. Hi everyone, it's Liv here. As you probably know by now, if you've been listening to this podcast for the last few weeks, we are not recording any more episodes for Series 2, and I'm presenting you with a final archive deep dive for now. Laura and I interviewed each other, and it was the last episode of the series. You can still go back and listen to the whole thing. It is available on My Amazing Mess, wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to a little taster here of me interviewing Laura and Laura interviewing myself. Just a reminder that on Friday, the 1st of May, at 5pm UK time we are going to do a live messy musing on Instagram you can follow us on Instagram at myamazing.mess and we'd love to see you there join us at 5pm UK time on Friday the 1st of May and without further ado this is the episode where Laura and I interviewed each other if you want the whole thing you can find it wherever you get your podcasts at My Amazing Mess course and I remember thinking even if I'm not the best actor there I'll be I'll be the best singer because I can I can hold a tune we the first lesson we ever did everyone was amazing and I had a cold and I was like oh no (laughs) not even not even one of the good singers so yeah it was a more it was a more um reality check three years I think in many ways but I'm so glad I did it I think that you can do anything you want in any way that you want so if you don't get into drama school you can still make it happen for yourself I totally believe that but for me personally I remember thinking I'm going to keep going until I get in because I felt like I needed the foundation and the tools to be able to use to then have a long lustrous career you know I, I wanted to to not doubt myself method wise I guess if there is any method to follow but it doesn't have to be that way so um you know, if I if I really hadn't have got in, I'd have made it happen. I think, but I'm I'm glad I trained, definitely, and for the people I've met. Yeah. Then you graduate, and as everyone who graduates from drama school, you think that you're going to be the one who is never starving and never waiting for a job. Or was it like that? Because because uh, I know for me, I'm like, yeah, it's going to be hard. I know everyone's telling me it's going to be hard, but <laughs> oh, I remember we were in a lesson once, and one of our teachers said. I mean, I know that you're all sitting here thinking that you're going to be the one that all happens for, but he was like, you don't actually think that's going to happen, do you? And I remember thinking in my head, yeah. <laughs> I just thought, of course, I'm going to go out and work. Why wouldn't I? I'm good. I know what I'm doing, but it's it's not about that, is it? You know what, actually, I will say I'm very fortunate. I came out of drama school without an agent. I'll make that very clear. I read something today on a Facebook group. There's a group called Bossy and someone had posted saying, I can't seem to get an agent. Does anyone have any advice or something? And I, I didn't post because everyone had posted the same things. But if you're listening, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I came out without an agent and was really lucky. I, I had all my things on all different casting websites and Spotlight as the, the CV breakdown and managed to, someone found me and asked me to audition for their play, which was crazy and got that gig and then through that got an agent. And then it's kind of all tumbled on since then. And it's actually the first three years I'd say were the most exciting I've had it's been very slow since for the 
two years after that it's only this year that I, I have taken it into my own hands to kick start it again so yeah it was kind of I di- wasn't making any big money I did a lot of fringe free work which I'm in two minds about <laughs> I'm kind of thinking you know it's a good thing to get started and meet those right people and make those connections and have the credits on your CV but also there has to be a point where we're not working for free anymore uh, so yeah I'm, I'm kind of like the mid ground of the person that came out and has worked and met great people I've, I've met you know people that have said to me oh god you always are doing something whereas I think I'm doing nothing so yeah it's it's ups and downs but um I don't think I came out thinking I was going to suddenly be on the West End stage or in a big Hollywood film but then I also hoped I'd be doing a bit more than maybe I have so I don't I don't know I'm still I'm still tumbling through it I don't know you're in the middle of it yeah that's why we're catching it now this this year and last year you you've been doing some really interesting things and you're your focus has uh, not shifted, but you've kind of opened maybe your your ideas to to what you can do and where your talents are, where your interests are. Maybe more more importantly, do you want to talk a little bit about what you've been doing? Sure. Um, so the the brief story of it is it, a few years ago I had an agent, but the agency themselves um, were a cooperative agency, which means they're representing you but you they're all actors and we all kind of help each other go and get work and you had to go into the office and I was sitting in the office one day kind of actually seeing what comes through into an agent's inbox of you know auditions that they can put their actors up for and I was like there is nothing really for me apart from you know low paid fringe work or you know all these other things or second prostitute from the left um which, which as a curvaceous young girl is what you do go up for quite a bit which is fine also that's fine if that's what's you know that that's what's calling but I wanted more than that so I was whinging to my mum and I will say not everybody has this position where they can go to their mum who who can write and say um there's nothing coming in and she kind of was like well I need a project I'll write something and uh so I just thought okay she's gonna write me like a little 20 minute play that I can go and do in a pub somewhere and she wrote the pilot episode of a sitcom and I read it and I was like uh it's amazing but what do I do with it I hadn't got a clue I genuinely I think I always say this because she she thinks I wasn't really interested in it and it wasn't that I just thought okay amazing but I, I don't know how you film something or get it made or any of those things so we had it we and she'd written it for all my friends in it because she'd heard all our funny stories about auditions and dating and all the rest of it so she'd written eventually she's actually written the first three episodes of a six-part series and um we had cast read-throughs because we cast it but again I didn't know where to take it and then had a really low year, I don't know when it was, a couple of years ago now, I'm trying to think where we are, of where kind of everything felt felt like it was falling apart. Um, nothing overly drastic, just nothing was happening. And I think they do say sometimes that you have to hit the low to pull yourself back up again. But I remember thinking, I've got to make this happen. I've been sitting on this script for so long. And uh, initially my mum was going to help to make it. And she kind of said, look, I'm handing it to you. You do what you want with it. I'm just the writer. You do what you want. And I think eventually I just said right we're doing it I just said it to too many people and I had to had to then kind of 
stay true to my word and the thing to do I guess was book the dates of when we were going to film it and really that's that's how it got made I booked the dates and then fit the puzzle of getting everybody in the right place at the right time to film it but I will be really honest and saying that without the script it would never have happened so really I have the script to thank for it but yeah we made the pilot episode and now it's a, a case of trying to get it sold and made so who knows by the end of series two might have more more update on that but yeah I've really I've just been making things and I think making that first thing making that pilot episode I mean I'm proud of it but it's not anything to really shout from the rooftops about I just did what a lot of people can do which is put your mind to something and get the people that you know around you to help you make it but it's proved to me that I can finish something I can make something which has now spurred me on to want to move more into actor producing as well because then you realize you've got control you've got like a way of making your own work which is really what we're all doing it for is to be able to act and do all the things we love doing and you realize that you actually have an act for it you know because because you did put it all together and just there's such a lesson in that as well I always wanted to stop and go like listen to this guys she just booked the dates it's then it had to happen because yeah. you were involving other people in it and you go guys can I have you for these dates and then you have to follow through. And I think there are so many times that we think of stuff that we want to do, but, well, I haven't got time now. I mean, I can't do it now because now it's really busy with so-and-so or I'm working tons, you know. But then if you just go, well, in two months' time or whatever, uh, we're going to be shooting this or we're going to be recording this, whatever it might be, and then get get people involved and then you kind of have to do it, right? It's, I think, and I'm so in, so excited to interview you in a second because <laughs> I want to hear about everything that you do, but it is the scariest thing in the world to say, no, I actually did book the dates. It's actually happening. There's something in the dates I realise for me is, is a f- mind focuser. It's kind of like, okay, that's the end goal is that we'll all be there on those. And it was three days we filmed for, and then I was like, okay, I don't have, oh, I should also pre-say that about a year running up to actually me booking the dates, I had teamed up with uh, Jane Moriarty, who we interviewed as well. And we, and she'd been really great because I initially would love, would have loved her to have been there to direct it, but she got another a job. So we'd kind of, I just approached her because I needed a partner. So it's very good to team up with people that you like and that are good at what they do. And we had meetings with people for the first time where I started talking to people about the script and talking about what I might need. That gave me a really good sense of of actually what it would take to put this project together of who I needed on the set and where I was going to find these types of people. But I still had nobody (laughs) apart from the cast members that said they wanted to do it. And then, you know, Jane got another job, but it was at that time that I had booked the dates. I say book the dates, I just had in my head, I'm going to do it on these dates and I'd emailed everyone saying it was going to happen but by that time you know the fact that Jane couldn't do it I had to find someone else and I think it was the booking the dates means that you kind of let go a little bit of oh is it the right thing to do and oh should I should I stay loyal to saying I've got to do it she completely understood she was like well I said to her look I've got to make it happen got to make it go now and it was the same thing when an actor had to drop out, unfortunately, of a part. And it wasn't that long until we were about to shoot. I think I was with you, Liv, and we were meant to be having a relaxing girly dinner. And I was like, no, guys, I've, I'm sorry. I've got to email and try and find this, sort this out. So I think, yeah, the the dates is, <laughs> is the thing for me. Yeah, because then you start backtracking and going like, well, I have to have that sorted at least a week before. Uh, and that's now three weeks away. So and then you kind of your brain starts working in a different way instead of just 
and and the more people you talk to about anything that you're doing as well that's what they say about like working out and all that sort of stuff like tell people that you're doing it because then you have to then you have to follow through <laughs> not me normally i'm like guys i'm gonna i'm gonna be really tall and skinny by the summer <laughs> she says eating an easter egg <laughs> well there's balance too yeah, exactly. you know you have to enjoy yourself <laughs> But I think I found it so interesting to to observe you doing it. I remember that dinner with a third friend of ours and, and we were just, you were apologising for being on your laptop and, you know, sorting uh, call sheets and stuff. And I just said, no, don't, because I love seeing you like this. You are so driven and there's a purpose to this. I was talking to, to John, my partner, this morning because uh, there was this test that came up that said, are you a workaholic? And all the questions kind of, they didn't really fit in with actually doing what you love because it's like, do you mix, you know, your your personal life and your work and that sort of stuff? And you go, well, yeah, because I, I do what I love. And a night like that, when you're sat there sort of trying to make this production happen, it, I'm not going to go, you are a workaholic. You are completely obsessed with this. It's like, it's great that you're obsessed with it. You want to make it happen, you know? Yeah. Again, I will say it was having the dates made me okay to be a workaholic because especially in a creative environment, you feel like you can never really stop because if you haven't achieved anything, you shouldn't stop because it's not achieved yet. Whereas for me, I loved that I had an end date so I could throw all my energy into it because I knew that once I'd finished that bit, I could, I could breathe. scouting for for singers for the x factor in norway and he was basically saying somebody's seen you perform and they thought that you'd be great apparently you do like you write your own music and stuff and we'd love to like you know because this is what they do like i don't think this is a massive secret anymore they scout people to get to a certain point in the competition so that they have some people who are proper singers and not just the weirdos you know (laughs) kind of go to the open auditions and I think, I mean, now I, I would never do a, a competition now, like a TV competition. Uh, it's fine if people do, but I would never do it for me. Uh, but at the time, maybe if I didn't really know what I was doing the next year, I probably would have been like, yeah, let's do it. Let's yes. do the X Factor. like a door opening. Yeah, exactly. It's a possibility, isn't it? But since a couple of hours before, <laughs> I'd been told that I was going to England. You know, you know, the amount of times that you just hear that happen, it's things happen like, on the same day they do Mm. I've had that happen to me before where I've been at a final recall and got an offer somewhere else on the same day it's it just it's like the universe just clicks something into place like well it's meant to be now so it's one of these things have them yeah like make your make your decision or it even highlights to you like this is this is when you choose where you go next yeah and then so you just packed a bag moved countries came to england uh, surrey as well not even just you know england pretty surrey yes and um spent the next three years there how did you find that are you glad that that was your way where you ended up i'm really really glad it, it just um shaped me in many ways into the person i am now and that doesn't mean that all of it was great maybe because so much of it wasn't <laughs> wasn't that great that's what shapes you I loved it, you know, when I when I look back, um, I just really loved the training. I mainly just loved the people that I trained with and learned so much from them. But I think that, yeah, I just needed it. I needed time to understand who I was and what I was doing. 
And then oddly, I kind of needed those three years of just focusing on acting so that I realized how much of an amazing escape songwriting was for me because I would go away if I had 15 minutes to myself, I'd go into one of the rooms with a piano and write. So it was clearly like something that I just had to do. It was in me. And uh, sometimes people would come by and they'd be like, oh, what's that? What, what is that you're playing? And I'd be like, oh, nothing. You know, like I wasn't quite ready to, to show people. But it helped me become a better actor. But it also just gave me a bit of perspective when it came to the songwriting that that wasn't going to go away anytime soon. A few things that you said just from me talking to you here, I don't know about you, which I mean, everyone listening will be sure will be enjoying it all. And I'm so in- intrigued by it all because you'd think, you know, eight or so years of friendship in the way that we have, I'd know most things. But I know that when you had said you were going to go and do a gig in London and performing, I did not know you were going off sneaking into rooms and, and writing songs. I definitely didn't know. And and. I think it's a really massive, I've always thought this, hugely brave thing to write and then bear that to the world in some way, whether it's in a pub somewhere or, you know, on Spotify to tens of hundreds of thousands of people. So when you came out of drama school and you were, you know, you mentioned to us you were going to do a gig, what was that step in your mind thinking, I'm ready, I feel brave enough or I feel ready enough or people need to hear my music. What was that kind of motivation to finally perform your own stuff? I think it's kind of hard to to pinpoint. I mean, the first thing that I got when leaving drum school was a musical and it was a very small fringe thing. Uh, but it was a very enjoyable experience, nonetheless. It was, it was. I was kind of the lead in it, and it had some really lovely songs. And it, I knew it wasn't really going to go anywhere big. That wasn't really the ambition of of the guy who who'd written and produced it. But he just wanted to put it on. Um, and it was like it was proper, like you know, upstairs in a pub kind of performance. But that to me, I was like, oh yeah, I can sing, you know, because that's that's one of the things that I really struggled with at drama school that I had a lot of my confidence in my singing taken away from me um and that sounds a bit bitter when I say that but just want to be honest about it Mm. because we we had all these singing uh tutors and bless them they were trying to help but they were a bit sort of like one size fits all in their approach to it because I think most of the time they would train musical theatre performers and that didn't really work on us because we as actors were kind of more individual in our way of expressing ourselves and our voices and stuff. And so I felt like whatever I did was wrong, like literally whatever I did was wrong. And in the end, I kind of felt like I'd lost the ability to sing because I was trying so hard to do all of these things that they were telling us to do. And in the end, I was like, I'm. Uh, how did I ever think that I could sing? I'm such an idiot. I can't believe it, you know. And then when I auditioned for this this musical, because I I was actually contacted, which is probably why I auditioned in the first place because of how I felt about my singing at the time. But I was contacted because the the lead in this show had to be Swedish, so they wanted somebody who could do like a Swedish a, a slight Swedish accent and stuff like that. And at that point, I was like, well, I'm just going to show them who I am. I just sang a country song in the in the uh, audition, like not like country country which is like a country ballad that I felt really comfortable singing and they loved it they just loved my own voice like not belty musical theatre voice just Liv's voice when she sings about something emotional and so that kind of gave me the confidence back a little bit and I knew that I had some songs that I thought were good so 
it's it's weird because my confidence in my songs has always kind of been there. I've always known that I've got some songs that are not great, but some that are. And uh, and I don't really feel embarrassed to say that, weirdly. But with my voice, I've gone through all of these different, you know, like, can I even sing? But yeah, so I think having performed on, you know, on stage, singing, leading the show, and then having the songs, I was like, this has got to come together. And it was also, I mean, I'm not going to lie, it was also like being without acting work for for quite a long time too that you kind of start going well I want to do something with with my own talents and uh, started playing some of my songs to my housemate um, at the time who also trained with us and she was like this is great (laughs) I love it and she agreed that you know people should hear it and so I just uh, did did a couple of like really low-key London gigs where literally the only people who came to see me were you guys, my friends. You know? <laughs> it is incredible. I mean, I kind of want to dedicate a whole different podcast <laughs> episode just to finding out about how you've done your music because it's so. it's been six years mm. of kind of hard graft, writing stuff, producing your music, finding the right label and management and band and, and developing mm. to the performer and artist that you are now and... By the time we get to series two, three, four, you know, it's you know, we're going to be in different places, and I'm really excited to see where it all where it all goes. But from that to that gig I came to, where I mean, it was like a ping pong. I think we might have mentioned it before. Kind of, I don't know, one of those pubs where they're playing table tennis, and uh, everyone was chatting, and you were there with a the guitarist at the back, and we were all there, like, can everyone just shush so we can hear? <laughs> um, but I was so impressed. I think we were all we were like. Liv sings like she doesn't just she doesn't just sing like anyone else she's got a really unique you know voice and style and story in her in her music which I think I still stand by is one of my favorite things about your music is that the stories that are in them I absolutely love them and cut to now I mean there's going to be a massive gap here because so much has happened but you've now released an album yes um how in like brief words I guess how has that journey been of kind of I'm gonna do a gig to now I'm releasing an album on Spotify I think just like nobody stopped me so I just kept (laughs) doing it so I just I was like okay I'm just gonna keep going until somebody tells me like Liv this is really rubbish and we're not gonna come anymore was there ever a feeling that that might happen um not really I just no, I think with the music, I just kind of kept going. I think that confidence in my songs has just kind of got me through because I don't always feel that confidence in my performances. And I think that's sometimes where I just go, oh, I don't really want to be a singer anymore. But I've never thought I don't want to be a songwriter anymore. I literally have never thought that. And and when people go, oh, I just wonder if maybe this is the last good song I'm going to write and I'm not going to have any more songs in me. I've never felt, I've literally never felt that. I just want to point out, I do still write crap songs. Like that's not, that's not an issue here. Like I do, but I just, I feel like there's more to come. You know, I just never go, oh, I've, I've used it all up. And I think so, so the songs were kind of driving all of it. I just wanted to, to perform the songs. I wanted to get the songs out there and different people kind of caught on and different people kind of went, oh, well, you know, you should work with so-and-so and then, Uh, Before I knew it, I was, you know, recording an EP, my first EP. And I mean, both good and bad, because sometimes like when you are an artist and you do your own music, a lot of people get involved and a lot of people want to tell you how to do it and how you should do it. 
and that has been good and bad for me because it's driven me to to do something like record and stuff like that but it's also kind of got me it's moved me forward and wasted my time at the same time because that happened a little bit with my first band I kind of got involved with these guys who who had worked on you know country music before and they were like oh this is she's doing country music we want to work with her and they then you know helped me record my first EP and then you know, and I don't know what I would have done if I didn't release that first EP because it kind of snowballed everything else. But then at the same time, they weren't quite the right people to work with. So I had to to let them go, uh, which is really like painful to do. And then kind of went through that again with with a second band, which which were not right either. And I had to like let them go. And like all these people, it's so funny when it comes to music and the music industry because so many people just think that they know how it's done and then they tell you how it's done and then you believe them. And then you kind of go after a while, you're like, oh, you have no clue what you're doing either. Like, you're just as Does anybody, me. really does no. anybody, uh, definitely not <laughs> at our age, definitely not. I mean, even now I would say I still don't know the answers. No. I mean, it's great. I love the fact that we can use this as a platform to to at least tell our stories and, and all the people that we've had on because they're all so different, but also fundamentally the same. Yeah. So yeah, but I exactly that. No one, re- everyone's kind of, wading their way through trying to figure it all out yeah I think the most clueless people are the people who think they've got the answers I think that we can all have some answers that might and this is what I love about podcast that you know some of the stuff that we talk about in some of the episodes are similar topics but I've had that with other podcasts that I listen to that sometimes you need to hear things said in it's the same thing but said in different ways and suddenly it clicks with you and you go yes that's what I need. So we've never, you know, kind of pretended like we have answers for people, but we know that the more we talk about our experiences, maybe it will resonate with somebody else. And yeah, I don't think anyone knows knows the answer, especially when it comes to the music industry, because no one has a clue. That's the only thing I've learned. <laughs> I mean, it is it is to me really incredible to see you develop as an artist and not only in your writing and the music that you're putting out there but also seeing you on stage you know as a performer being the Liv Austin and I jokingly always say the Liv Austin but you know on stage you are you are the the artist Liv Austin you're not Liv Austin you know having a cup of tea in the kitchen it's slightly different how are you stepping into this new person and where where might she go where's kind of next for you yeah, it's it's funny how Liv Austin has like kind of become, and this sounds so millennial and horrible, but like become like a brand because I kind of talk about that now. Well, that doesn't quite fit for Liv Austin, and I'm not talking about me in the third person. I'm talking about the the brand, and I think that's it. Sounds bizarre and like I've lost the plot when I say that, but actually, I think it's a good thing that I see them as two different things. Because I am myself when I perform, but I also can't be her all the time because I also just want to like be myself with no makeup, like right now, like with you. That was a little taster from when I interviewed Laura and Laura interviewed me in the last series of My Amazing Mess. It is still available wherever you get your podcasts if you want to check out the whole thing. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for this message from Laura.
we will be doing our very first live messy musing over on Instagram on Friday the 1st of May at 5pm UK time. We know that lots of our listeners are listening in from all over the world. So if you don't already, follow us on Instagram. It's myamazing.mess. Click the follow button and then you'll be able to see when we go live. We'd love to hear from you, hear your questions. And Liv and I will be, of course, talking from our different homes about how creatives and how all of us in general are just finding the lockdown and going through this bizarre thing that we're all all going through together. So we hope it'll be a really big community feel and we'd love to be able to hear from some of our listeners. So join us over there on Friday the 1st of May at 5pm UK time and we look forward to seeing you there. (laughs) 